Our reading was from Matthew chapter 9. I think it would be accurate to say that this was the early part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The part of his ministry in which he was growing in terms of his popularity. Where people, at least superficially, were responding to his ministry. Large numbers, growing uh, interest. Also keep in mind that he did not operate, so to speak, in a vacuum. Remember verse 34 in our reading, Matthew chapter 9. The Pharisees said he casts out demons through the prince of demons. You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, it was easier in those old days. Because now when you try to win someone, you have to win him out of a particular set of beliefs which he has. Didn't people have beliefs in those days? <laughs> Didn't people believe all sorts of wrong things? Some north, some south, some east, some west. So how is it different? How is it different? The Pharisees were there. And remember that they were largely respected by the people and regarded as the religious teachers of, uh, of the day. And what did they say about the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, if they said this about you or me, especially me, <laughs> you know, that would be one thing. <laughs> but to say it of the Lord Jesus Christ, that this is a man who is what? He is an ally of the devil. He is a partner of the wicked one. That's what he say. That's what they say. He casts out demons through the prince of demons. So keep in mind that there are teachers of error in every time and in every place. The Pharisees had things to say. Aren't we glad that they were around to make this valuable contribution? Uh, but whether we are glad or not, they were there. And there are false teachers in, uh, this, uh, in this time. The first part of our reading mentions the healing of uh, the uh, men who uh, were blind. And also there is a, a mention, uh, somewhat briefly, but it's there as well, verses 32 and 33, of uh, the healing of a dumb man, and this man's inability was to speak was uh, because of a... Because of demon possession. Now, if you think of these things, and I don't want to dwell on them in particular that much, uh, uh, because I want to focus, uh, my focus will be elsewhere, but if you think of these things, all right, there are people who are blind. What a difficult situation that is. 
and others who have problems, in this case a man who could not speak, and because of a particular influence of evil upon him. So people have problems. People have challenges. Ultimately, these things are from sin. In the case of the man who was uh, unable to speak rather directly. Now, the ones who are blind, I don't want in any way to sound like the friends of Job. You know, they're blind because of some sin, which is what also the disciples did, John chapter 9. But indirectly... Why is there blindness? Why is there uh, this problem or that problem? Because of the effects of sin. And so what we have is sin and the problems that have arisen from sin. And some people around like the Pharisees who are propagating, who are spreading and teaching all sorts of wrong things, so that people will remain sinners. What did the Lord Jesus say regarding the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23? He said, you, let's read it. He said, you go through uh, the, the whole earth, Matthew 23 uh, and verse 15, you compass sea and land, Matthew 23:15, to make one proselyte. What is one proselyte? The word is an old word, maybe not so very familiar uh, to us. We don't use it that uh, frequently. Proselyte is someone who will believe on what they teach, and especially from a Gentile background, so that he is being brought into uh, that circle from a, a different background, in Arabic, dakhil, uh, uh, someone who is coming in. You compass sea and land. You spread your teachings and you are active in outreach so that you will make one convert, shall we say. And when you have made this convert, you make him double the child of hell than yourselves. This is what was there at that time. And this is what is there at every time. Uh, this is what is there at, at every time. I don't know whether you think that the times of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were more problems and more sinfulness and more false teachers than our time. I've heard people say things like that. I think we've always had, since the fall of man, we've always had wickedness among us, evil and sin around us and inside our hearts, and lots of problems and difficulties as a uh, result. Uh, as a result, the Lord Jesus when we think of these things that we have been speaking of, the Lord Jesus, the Bible tells us, he went from uh, one place to the other, all the cities and villages, verse 35. Uh, he was teaching and preaching the message of the gospel. He was healing sickness and disease. And he saw the multitudes. 
he saw uh, the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with uh, compassion. Now, this is uh, an unusual expression, and it's actually uh, an expression that is not common to Greek. You know how you learn one language, but you then translate the figures of speech from one language, use them in another language. Of course, this is in Greek. Uh, uh, but the expression itself is, is uh, not a Greek expression. All right, The idea is not a Greek idea. The idea is of someone who is so moved that his inside is moved, his inner part. Uh, his uh, uh, inner part. Literally, the reference is to a person's stomach. Uh, uh, to a person's uh, uh, stomach. Uh, when he saw uh, the multitude, he was moved with uh, compassion uh, upon them. It made a difference to him. His heart was touched. His innermost being uh, was moved in a, a very real way. Uh, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of, uh, of tears, so that I would weep day and night for uh, my, uh, my people. Jeremiah said that. And here we see the Lord Jesus not looking upon this mass, this number of people in their situation, not looking upon them with indifference, not looking upon them uh, I don't care, not looking uh, upon them uh, without any impact uh, uh, upon him. Now, we are not talking just about having some kind of feeling, not, uh, not talking about uh, 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 a feeling uh, only. We are talking about understanding a reality regarding the multitude understanding a reality in a real and heartfelt way which will lead to some kind of action. Which will lead to some kind of action. Remember how James said that we are not supposed to be what? That we are not supposed to be hearers of the word only, but doers thereof. Uh, but doers uh, thereof. Uh, remember also the words of the Lord Jesus. John chapter uh, 13, I believe it's uh, verse uh, 17. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Happy are ye if ye uh, uh, do them. Remember also the criticism of the Lord Jesus directed towards the Pharisees, also found in Matthew 23, where he said, There are heavy burdens that you put on people's backs, and what do you do? You don't move a little finger 
to do what? To try to help people with these burdens. To relieve these burdens in some, uh, in some way. So, here is the Lord Jesus. Having an understanding, a true understanding of what's going on. We can be deceived. Appearances can lead us in a certain direction in terms of our thinking. Reality can be somewhere else. Not so with the Lord Jesus. Also the Lord Jesus responding. Not just knowing the reality, but responding to it. Being moved by it. And wanting to do something, what he says to his disciples is that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his uh, harvest. This is the command of the Lord Jesus. This is his word to his disciples, and not just to those who were with him, but to all who are with him, then and uh, now. The harvest, the harvest is plenteous. Let's think of uh, this word harvest uh, first uh, of all. Why does he say harvest? Well, we could think of a few things in this regard. It could be that he says harvest because of the size of the multitude, the numbers of people who uh, were uh, there, uh, uh, who uh, were there. Uh, if I look upon a field of wheat, what real chance is there that I'm going to go through that field of wheat and count every stalk. Count every single stalk of wheat. So difficult that it's practically uh, uh, impossible. And perhaps the Lord Jesus, perhaps, was not just seeing those multitudes, but other multitudes but other multitudes as well. In the book of Joel, it says multitudes, multitudes in the valley of uh, decision. When the Lord was speaking to Abraham, what did he say? He said, I'll multiply your seed as what? As the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Multitudes. The harvest is plenteous. A harvest because of its number. A harvest because of the value, the value of those whom he was referring to. He could have said grass. And in other places where the Bible is emphasizing how people pass away and they do not remain forever. The people are like grass. It's, there's more than one passage. If he wanted to emphasize the wickedness of the people, he could have said they're like weeds. But he compared them to wheat. The harvest is uh, plenteous. 
uh, is uh, plenteous. When you say harvest, yes, it says harvest, but if you think with me as wheat, and I think that's the idea that comes to mind, how valuable was the harvest in uh, that time? Uh, in that time. Now, over time, what's happened in terms of economic activity of people, agriculture is somewhat still important, but but maybe it, now it's only part of what people do. Well, in those days, it was a bigger part. And the harvest was very uh, important. Uh, very important. And when the harvest was completed, it meant, it meant that, you know, somehow it meant that life would go on. It meant that there wouldn't be starvation. It meant that there would be food. And therefore, among other things, the harvest was a time of joy. People would celebrate the harvest. Uh, the, the, the crop was, uh, that we planted has brought forth fruit, and, and that means that we're going to go on. We are going to uh, continue. Look at uh, John chapter 7 and verses uh, 47 through 49. Yohanna's <laughs> Then answered them, then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also dece- deceived? Excuse me. Uh, have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who know not the law uh, are cursed. It's interesting here that you see the Pharisees looking down on the people, despising the people making light of the people. And, of course, setting themselves above the people. All right? Uh, Setting themselves above the people. Have any of the rulers, have any of us believed in him? But these people who don't know the law, uh, they are are cursed. The Lord Jesus looked upon the multitudes and he didn't look upon them like the Pharisees despising them and making light of them but speaking of them in terms which emphasized the value the harvest is, uh, uh, is uh, plenteous the Pharisees placed themselves above people now what right did they have to set themselves in that position? No legitimate right. As for the Lord Jesus, he could easily set himself above everybody. All right, it is his place to do so. Psalm chapter 8, remember, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, uh, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And yet, God does place a value upon the soul of man, even the soul of sinful uh, man. Adam and Eve disobeyed. And they didn't respond to that disobedience with true repentance. They tried to cover their sin in an ineffective way. And they tried to hide from the Lord. They did not seek Him. And yet the Lord 
reached out uh, to them. The Bible says that his delights are with uh, the sons of uh, men. Uh, The Bible tells us that the woman, when she finds the coin in Luke chapter 15, she calls her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace, uh, the peace uh, which I had lost. The coin is valuable. And before that, in Luke chapter 15, the sheep is valuable. And after that, in Luke chapter 15, the son is valuable. The son uh, is valuable uh, as well. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Men care for gold and silver. The Lord says they will be mine in the day that I make up my jewels. They will be mine in the day that I make up uh, my jewels. A harvest, numbers, and value. But also, a harvest in that this multitude is in various ways exposed to danger. Exposed to uh, danger. If a field is ready to be harvested, but there are no laborers, the field will not harvest itself. The field will not harvest itself. The result is that it will spoil. This is what naturally uh, uh, happens. Uh, This is uh, what naturally happens. Uh, Things can take place. I remember the pastor in Houston would tell us stories that he had experienced. Uh, he grew up on a farm in western New York State. I remember him telling us a story once about uh, the harvest on the farm. Now, it was mainly a, a dairy farm, cows, milk, so on. But, but there was a certain amount of land that they had planted and that they would harvest. An unexpected An unusually powerful spell of cold weather coming early. The pastor would tell us how his father almost went crazy. We have to get the harvest in. We have to harvest the crops right, right now because this cold weather will will kill them. Uh, Will kill them. Sometimes that can happen. Sometimes other things can happen. There are diseases that can strike uh, uh, plants. The birds of the air can, uh, can eat them. Uh, sometimes you have, what, hordes of grasshoppers showing up, right? Or other uh, uh, insects. Uh, so there are all sorts of things that can happen, at least humanly speaking, so that this multitude will be uh, lost. The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. If there is a time for the harvest to take place and there are not enough laborers, then eventually what will happen is that the wheat or whatever the harvest is, uh, it'll spoil, it'll die, it'll decay, it will rot, it will perish. It will uh, uh, perish. Uh, The harvest is plenteous, great in number and in value, in danger, Also, accessible, within reach. 
John chapter 4 and verse 35. Do you say, this was apparently a common saying of the time, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Now, I am in no way an expert on agriculture, but probably there were plants and many, may, maybe several kinds of plants where you planted it and the harvest usually came around four months afterwards. Uh, four months and then the harvest, the common saying of the time. I say unto you, lift up your eyes now and go to the huge reflector telescope, you know these huge telescopes, and look to some faraway distant planet, you know, <laughs> where light itself takes uh, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 years to come, and see that there is a harvest. And the harvest is not so far away. All right? The harvest is not so distant. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. All right, without the huge telescope, without binoculars, without that kind of thing, you can see it. It's reachable, accessible, around you, within uh, reach. Look on the fields, they are white or ready to harvest. Uh, the fields are uh, ripe, are uh, ripe. Uh, you know, a sickle is a relatively simple instrument to use. Now, again, I'm not experienced in such matters, but you don't have to have an advanced degree to use a sickle. All right? This is not calculating, all right, uh, the orbit of I don't know what uh, mission to the moon. <laughs> all right? A sickle, all right? It's not a boomerang. You have to throw it to something far away. Within reach. Within uh, uh, reach. The field is not fenced. The field is, uh, uh, is, not, uh, uh, is not fenced. Uh, Paul says, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold thy peace. For I, uh, uh, sorry, hold not thy peace, excuse me. For I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have many people in this city. I have many people in this uh, uh, city. It's easy to say people will not hear. And they will not respond. How do I know? Have not some people heard and some people responded across the years in different places and at different times? Sometimes more, sometimes less. And the Lord Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. I will draw all men unto uh, me.
The harvest is plenteous. Uh, action is needed. Uh, it should not, uh, the matter should not be delayed. Uh, the harvest will not wait for us. Right? The harvest usually has its own time and, 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 and we need to uh, adjust to its time. As opposed to saying, well, I don't like the harvest to be at this time. I'd rather it be at a different time of the year. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it does not uh, work uh, that, uh, that way. Uh, the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Now is the accepted time. And today is the day of salvation, as opposed to what? Saying that it is necessarily later, at a time more convenient for uh, me. Matthew 21 and verse 28. What, say, what think ye, the Lord Jesus said, the short parable of uh, the man who had two sons? Certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work in my vineyard. No, he didn't. I left something out. He said, Son, go work today. Today in my uh, vineyard. Uh, I was talking about John chapter 9, and the blind man there, who sinned, the disciples said. So that this man is blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? Jesus said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents. Not that they were perfect, but the question was, is his blindness a result directly of sin? And the Lord Jesus was, was saying, no. Not in the direct way that you are thinking of. But rather this is, the way to understand this situation, is that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The, the night comes when no man can uh, work. And so here are the disciples analyzing the situation and theorizing about the origin of this man's problems. And the Lord Jesus certainly had a greater element of urgency in dealing with uh, this uh, matter. There is a harvest, and what is needed, the Lord Jesus says, laborers are few. Laborers are few. Now, Fortunately, the text goes on to say, that's all right, because God will take care of the harvest. Now, God does as he wills, but that's not what the text says. That's not what we have uh, before us. The Lord is uh, almighty, yet he has, in his wisdom and power, decided to use certain means decided to use certain means. The Bible says that he gave apostles, and he gave prophets, and he gave evangelists, and he gave pastors and uh, uh, teachers. But of course, it is not only these individuals whom I mentioned who have particular kinds of positions, because the Bible tells us regarding the early church that those who were scattered abroad in the persecution that arose after the martyrdom of Stephen, those who were scattered abroad went everywhere 
preaching the word. Went everywhere preaching the word. Certain men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch. We don't know who their names, what their names are. And they preached there. And people responded. And afterwards, the apostles hearing St. Barnabas, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, starting the church of Antioch, which itself became a very special sending church. And indeed, we know about Antioch, but other churches were sending churches as well at that time. And in every time, that's the way things uh, should be. Laborers, people who are ready to work, to work. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 10. Uh, By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace bestowed upon me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly. Then they all, not I, the grace of God that was with me. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, we referred to this passage this morning. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more in labors more abundant. In labors more uh, abundant. Um, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, Paul is speaking to a church and he says, I remember without ceasing the work of your faith and the labor of your love. You have a faith which works and a love which uh, labors. Uh, uh, which labors uh, to the church of Ephesus Revelation chapter 2 the Lord Jesus said I know your works and I know your labor uh, I know that for my name's sake you have labored and you have not fainted 1 Corinthians 3 9 we are laborers together with uh, God the Lord wants people to be involved in dealing with this situation people who will labor People who will labor with the uh, with the uh, wheat, uh, with the wheat. Now, people who will labor with the wheat. You know how over time, warfare has changed. All right, warfare has changed so that now one nation can wage war with another nation by what? Pull out some kind of instrument, open it, tick press a button, all right, missiles uh, are launched out of silos, all right, and it's all happening, what, remote control from a distance, all right, uh, from, uh, from a distance. Uh, basically, harvesting wheat does not happen remote control from a distance. It happens as we speak to people, as we deal uh, with uh, with people. Paul the Apostle was in the temple and the people who hated him took advantage of his presence there and they tried to kill him. They started to beat him. Now there was at the corner of the temple complex a tower that the Romans used to keep an eye on what was going on. And from that tower, they didn't have to go down and kind of go around to an entrance of the temple. They, they would go around, this is known historically, they, all they had to do was just go down onto that tower and they were in the courtyard of the temple. 
And so here he is being beaten, and right away they intervene. They want to keep the peace. They didn't know who he was. They, they didn't want any kind of stirring or tumult among the people. And so they saved him from being beaten to death. At which point he said, I'm glad you're here. Get me away from these people. <laughs> At which point he said, I want to speak to these people. Will you allow me to address them? Will you allow me to uh, uh, address them? Though I be free from all men, I have made myself servant unto all, so that I might gain the more to the Jews as a Jew, to the, those who are without the law, as if I'm without uh, the law to the weak, I became uh, as, uh, as weak, as weak. It is said that in times past, there were people who went to leper colonies and contracted leprosy. They knew that they would become lepers. They went to the leper colonies and they became lepers so that they could preach the gospel to lepers. This is what people have done, what people have done uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the past. Uh, the laborers go uh, to uh, the wheat. The laborers go to the wheat. You're a nice person. <laughs> uh, the laborers go to the wheat not to whitewash, uh, not to whitewash. There's this expression in Arabic, tobiyidwish. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes people say in Arabic, it's paint, boya, uh, uh, and the emphasis is what? Uh, on giving something a good appearance. So we go to the wheat in order to say to the wheat, you're a good piece of wheat. Good for you. <laughs> Actually, the wheat needs to be what? needs to be cut, uh, which is not necessarily what a stalk of wheat would want, not necessarily what the stalk of wheat regards as the most comfortable thing. So let's stand up and speak about the dignity of man and human nature, the goodness and achievements of mankind, the loftiness of certain philosophers and certain lines of human thought. The Lord Jesus said, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. And if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Figurative language, of course. All right? But leave behind you what is valuable, what is useful, if necessary, so that you will enter the kingdom of heaven so that you will uh, enter the uh, kingdom uh, of uh, heaven. Some might say, but that is terrifying people. We speak to people that which is true, that uh, which, is, uh, which is true. It is true that there is a judgment of God. It is true that Christ has loved us and borne that judgment in our place. And the sickle 
is sharp and effective. And God's word is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The harvester is someone who cares about the wheat to harvest it, but also not just to harvest it and leave it on the ground, but rather to gather it up into uh, sheaves so that this wheat can be processed, can, can grow into something else or be stored up uh, in some way uh, or, uh, uh, or the other. Remember what the Bible tells us about the Good Samaritan. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured in oil and wine, and he left him where he was. He set him upon his beast, he took him to an inn, he took care of him. The next day when he left, he paid uh, the owner of the inn two dinars. Take care of him, whatever you spend more than this. Uh, when I come again, uh, I will uh, repay, uh, uh, repay you. The Bible tells us uh, that we should care for uh, one another. And we should do all that leads to growth, edification, the building up of every believer. To win others and to build them up. There is a harvest, there is a need for laborers. Now how are we going to get these laborers? Uh, the Lord Jesus said... You're going to get them by praying for them. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. There is a Lord of the harvest, and he's the one in charge of all this picture. He's the one who's in charge of all this picture. And in some sense, I'm glad that he's in charge of all this picture, because somehow if... I were to somehow raise up laborers to enter into this harvest, I'm sure I would raise up the wrong kind of laborers. But it is the Lord of the harvest who is involved. He will raise up true uh, workers. He will send them forth. The word is a strong word. He will push them into this uh, uh, harvest. Uh, it's a word that is the same word that has to do with the casting out of the demon, which means what? He'll put this burden on their hearts. Remember how Jeremiah said at one point, I decided I was sick and tired of witnessing, all right, and I would not talk anymore. And then he said that God's word was in my bones like a fire, like, I, like, like a fire. And I, and I could not. I could not forbear. I could not be quiet. Uh, I could not uh, be quiet. Now, sometimes it takes a lot, so to speak, for the Lord to move us in the right direction. One word, Jonah. But eventually Jonah got there. The Lord got him there. Pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his uh, harvest. His uh, harvest. You know, if it were my harvest, I could say, I might say, I can neglect it. After all, it's my harvest. It's my harvest. It's not really anyone else's business. And so if I want to do a little bit of harvesting or a lot of harvesting or no harvesting, it's my harvest. But it is not my harvest. It is his harvest. 
it is uh, his uh, harvest, uh, very wide harvest. Uh, remember how John Wesley said, you know how some people have this idea of parishes, you know, you're supposed to operate here and somebody else is supposed to operate there. And uh, uh, John Wesley was one of those people who operated far and wide. I believe a fair amount of that operating far and wide was on horseback, <laughs> going from place to place. And he's known for the saying, the world is my parish. The world is my uh, parish. Uh, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, but that's actually not the end of the story, because at chapter 10, at the very beginning of the chapter, it tells us that he called the 12 disciples and he sent them forth. First he told them to pray. And then he sent them uh, forth. And this is where we could turn to Exodus, the first few chapters, and where Moses, when the Lord told him go, was filled with excuses. And uh, Jeremiah said, I am a young man and I can't uh, speak. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God wants you, and God wants me, to work in his field. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. There is a harvest, there is a need for laborers. Pray and go. This is God's plan, and we are called to be part of a great and glorious plan in which we serve a great and glorious Lord of the harvest, in which we serve a great and glorious Lord of the harvest. And for any who do not know him, the Bible says, why will ye die? The Bible says, the Lord says, I delight not in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked would come unto him, come unto him in repentance. There is a harvest that the Lord cares about. That means that he cares about the souls of men. And he sends laborers into this harvest. And he tells them pray. And he tells them go. So the Lord does his part. And today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for our Savior. We thank you, Lord, for the one who looked with compassion upon the multitudes and saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up laborers for his harvest. 
and go. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to say that this is his word even to us, to each of his children, to each who have known him in repentance and faith. Pray and go. Follow me. I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. For any who hear, who do not know him, we pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see the truth, open their hearts to believe and receive. Help them to hear your voice, to see your truth, to receive your message, even today. It is a day of salvation. Even now, it is the accepted time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.